0: Brothers and sisters, I'm Pastor Murphy. We welcome you to the worship experience of the Great Little Zion Baptist Church. It's our joy that you have joined us on this Lord's Day, and it certainly is our prayer that the Word of God instructs you and empowers you, and that the worship by way of singing and celebration blesses you with inspiration as you get yourself prepared to meet the challenges of a coming week. Be blessed. Sit back, embrace soak up what God has for you today. We'll look forward to seeing you again in the name of the Lord. Amen.
1: Welcome to the announcements for the week of September 12th. A schedule of the recurring online activities can be found on the GLZBC website, and you're always welcome to join in these virtual meetings. The Christian Education Ministry invites you to participate in the Adult Sunday School, where the study for this quarter focuses on celebrating God, and addresses acts of worship and praise that celebrate both God's divine attributes and God's actions on behalf of the whole created order. These lessons are led by Zion's own dynamic teachers as they bring forth in-depth understanding of the scriptures and foster an environment for you to share in the discussions. If you miss a Sunday, don't worry. Each lesson is recorded and available for viewing later on the Zion website. Sister Lakita Jones is the point of contact, and you're welcome to join in each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and stay for our virtual worship service at 10 o'clock a.m. The Youth and Young Adult Sunday School is held each Saturday morning at 10 a.m., and it's open to all youth and young adults. The Greater Little Zion Prayer Warriors meet each Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. and offer intercessory prayers that address our universal and global needs and give fervent praise and thanksgiving for God's faithfulness. If you have a specific prayer request, please contact your deacon or the admin office. Deacon Anthony Bazemore and Deacon Calvin Parsons Sr. are the points of contact. Adult Bible Study is held each Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., where the highly interactive discussions continue to address how we, as a congregation, can improve our church membership through the development of authentic relations. Check Amazon or other literary websites if you would like to purchase a copy of the discussion book Making Friends, Making Disciples, growing your church through authentic relationships. The Evangelism and Missions Ministry greatly appreciates your assistance in helping them to provide extra blessings to families in need during the ministry's December drive through food distribution. Your donation of a $25 Visa gift card would help the ministry to give a little extra to these families and you're asked to please share the email that you received with your family, friends, coworkers, and others who might be willing to give towards this cause. The ministry is accepting the $25 gift cards from now through December 11th. You can either mail them to the church or deliver them to the admin office on Wednesdays of each week. Deacon Nolan Crockett, Sister Kathleen Crockett, and Deacon Anthony Baysmore are the points of contact. Don't forget the monthly drive-through food distribution hosted by the Evangelism and Missions Ministry this Saturday, September the 18th, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Food will be distributed while supplies last, and CDC guidelines will be strictly adhered to for the safety of all. For the month of September, The family ministry's prayer focus is on restoration of the family. You're invited to join them in offering prayers throughout the month for families to be rejuvenated and recharged and to continue seeking the Lord's direction in their lives. The family ministry will also be hosting its couples Zoom session on Friday, September the 17th at 7 o'clock p.m., to continue the discussions from the book entitled The Fundamentals of Marriage, written by Howard and Danielle Taylor, please contact Deacons Anthony and Terry Baysmore for additional information and to get the Zoom link for this session. Church emails are sent weekly, and if you're not receiving them, please contact the admin office to ensure that your correct email address is on file. For additional church information, please visit the website at glzbc.org. Thank you, and have a blessed week.
0: Welcome, my brothers and sisters, to this time of worship and the preaching of God's word. Get your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, and we're going to be reading verses 12 through 14, Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. We're reading from the New Living Translation this morning, and here is what it says. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, said Jesus, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened to him. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. We want to talk this morning from the subject, don't lose your choice to believe. Don't lose your choice to believe. Previously, we noted a significant statement by Luke in the Gospel of Luke chapter 4 that offered this life-altering insight into the ministry of Jesus. says, Luke, no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one of them. Let's consider a couple of questions when we listen to that statement. No matter what the diseases were, no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one of them. Must we take that statement to be literal, accurate, literally accurate, interpreting that Jesus healed everyone on that day, who came to him, all who came to him, did they come believing, or did they come to get belief? Did this statement actually suggest that whatever sickness, whether it's diabetic, whether it's hypertension, whether it's a form of cancer, whether it's a cardiological problem, whether it is mental illness, Whatever the disease is, does that statement suggest that on that day, Jesus healed them all? Or did they manage to just come on the right day at the right time? Are we to believe that what may be required both by consultation and surgical solutions were simply addressed by a literal touch of Jesus. This question around the issue of touch is critical because people with diseases, they were deemed untouchable and those who extended a hand to touch them would likewise be deemed unclean according to Leviticus 13. No law abiding person of Judaism, especially A rabbi like Jesus would touch an unclean person. But remember on last week I told you that Jesus is not an ordinary person. He operates outside of the box. He was radical. He was relational. He was repetitive. He was redemptive. Everything he did would have been deemed outside of the box of the norm. When we read the opening line of verse 12, it says that in one of the villages, another gospel writer says that as he is moving through the cities, he is healing people, especially those, I'm convinced, who make the choice to believe that he is able to either do what he says or do what has been said about him. I'm convinced that the miraculous episodes in the Gospels are literal experiences, particularly as Jesus touched people, and we learn and we will learn later, I should say, how not only when Jesus touched people, but when Jesus allowed people to touch him, that something tremendously changed, and yet they serve as a part of faith departure arguing that as they touched Jesus or as Jesus touched them those moments although literal in the experience now serve in the text as a metaphorical moment for us that became literal but yet we know in our own touching we actually physically cannot touch Jesus but the text doesn't lose its metaphorical or symbolic suggestion we can't touch him physically but i do believe that jesus in his own way touches us and touches us physically to the point where again we link ourselves with the old hymn he touched me he touched me and when he does there is a joy that floods the soul that touch produces a praise It produces an audible shout. It produces a joy from knowing that something has happened from that touch and now based on the experience and the condition, I'm different than what I previously was, all because I believe he touched me. Well, Luke provides for us a more personal story in reference to a man who had this certain condition And his condition required a touch, a miraculous touch, in order for his condition to change. Says the text, Luke says this was a poor man who came to Jesus desperately ill. But the New Living Translation says that he describes the man as an advanced case of leprosy, full of leprosy the disease arguably may have ran its course. The man's life could have very well been hanging in the balance, almost coming to its conclusion. What is important to understand about leprosy is that, or as it's better known in modern times, Hansen's disease, is that we, we do know that the disease is not a rotting infection as once commonly thought, nor are the sufferer's outward physical deformities horribly disfigured by the disease itself. What we found out in recent years by Dr. Paul Bryan, and that is that the disfigurement associated with Hansen disease or leprosy comes solely from the body's warning system of pain being destroyed. What would let him know that something is wrong no longer works. The disease brings numbness to the extremities as well as to his ears and his eyes and his nose. The devastation that follows comes from incidents, almost like putting your hands in burning charcoals to retrieve something and yet not recognizing the traumatizing aspect of pain, but you can't hear. In third world, third world countries, it is said that those who have leprosy, vermins sometimes chew on sleeping leopards without leopards even knowing. Dr. Brand has, after performing corrective surgery on a leopard, would often send a cat home with the leper as a normal post-operative procedure. Why? To bring some sense of comfort because he describes leprosy as a painless hell. The poor man in the Gospel of Luke had not been able to feel arguably for years. And his body mutilated from head to toe was foul and rotten. Couldn't tell it. He knew he was, but there was no pain because the disease had ruined his nervous system. But I want to make a suggestion that it doesn't have to be leprosy to experience these kinds of symptoms. Some total of humiliation and the sum total of isolation And the sum total of marginalization and segregation and discrimination, all of those are calls and cries for salvation. So when we look at this text, let's examine several considerations about the leper's life. Because in reality, again, it may not be leprosy, but it could be some other disease, some other malady some other uh, kind of uh, addiction, some other operative that's bringing one's life to a rotting conclusion. I want us to first consider the man or the woman's life was unbecoming. The man or the woman's life was unbecoming. Unbecoming. The text says the man, but I want us to make sure that we understood that leprosy is not just a male issue, it was a female as well, but as I said before, it may not just be leprosy, it could be something else. The man is so unbecoming that no one wants to be like him. No one would walk up and admire his life condition and desire to emulate him no one would suggest that they would want their children to grow up and be like this individual. Instead, they would be a person whom few persons would have any sympathy for at all. In fact, in Israel, the, the life of a leopard was summed up in Leviticus 13, verse 45 and 46. Here's what it says. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine that? You shall wear torn clothes, which really just means clothes that no one else probably would want. Your hair has to go unmanaged, ungroomed and grow long frenzy, out of order, and you would have to cover your upper lip, and as you approach people, cry out unclean, unclean. Then the text says that he shall live alone. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. His dwelling shall be outside of the tent. And you feel that isolation, Can't you feel that humiliation? Can't you feel that sense of segregation? And again, in our modern day, it may not be leprosy, but it could be an issue of something else. It could be drug addiction. It could be alcoholism. It could be their desire to come out and confess that they are LGBT. It could be a number of issues that yet they still experienced the humiliation and isolation and segregation and even discrimination that this leper experienced in Israel. We can hardly imagine the humiliation, isolation of the leper's life. He was ostracized from society because it was thought that at that time that leprosy was highly contagious, And we do know now that it was not and moreover for the sake of the purity of the whole community whenever he came in range of normal population he had to assume a disheveled appearance and once again cry out unclean unclean think about that for a moment every time someone approaches with their particular malady and yet they have to remind themselves as well as remind others of their condition. We're almost at that point in many instances in our own social context. person who may be of, social, of certain social status or who may have certain particularities that they claim on themselves have to wonder about the possible ostracizing they will encounter Think about how you feel shouting this while trying to enter the grocery store or the mall and the pervasive sense of worthlessness and despair you would have to encounter. Every time you go to the mall, when you enter the door and you see someone unclean, unclean, you have to cry out. And we further know that lepers were typically beggars Beggars because there was no way they could make a living. They could support themselves because no one would hire them. Again, because people thought they were contagious, they would infect others. You can almost sense in a very indirect manner a pandemic that they lived in within themselves. How they had to be quarantined often, separated from ordinary people and how those had to protect themselves before they come around them. Not the mask, but in his crying out unclean, consider that to be a more metaphorical mask protection to tell others, stay away from you. They lived by themselves, or they lived in colonies. They were beggars, and there are even times when their families would deposit food in remote places, them. They customarily lived in bands but according to 2 Kings 7 3 they often lived in other leper communities as well. And by the time of Jesus rabbinic teaching with its miniature strictures had made matters even worse. It just simply means that they had added on more requirements of a leper. For example, if a leper stuck his head inside a house, the house was pronounced unclean. It was illegal to greet a leper. Lepers had to remain about 100 cubits away if they were upwind, I'm sorry, they were upwind, and four cubits if they were downwind. Josephus, the Jewish historian, summed it up by saying that lepers were treated as if they were in effect dead men, Can you imagine that, dead men walking. And you gotta recognize the reflections of what we see in modern times and how we treat people sometimes. As a result, it almost is just as devastating as the life of this leper. Indeed, to the rabbi, the cure of a leper was as difficult as raising a person from the dead. In other words, the life of a leper was unbecoming. But secondly, the life of a leopard was unfortunate. It was unfortunate because many believed at the time that the result of being, or should I say, becoming a leopard was the result of some sin that one has created. There are two really basic lies that I think that we are often told in this whole issue of what sin is and how it affects us. But I want to say this, that when you talk about this personal sin that that provided what was believed to be this continuous consequence, never-ending pain of the leper's life, Leprosy became that symbol of sin, that there was absolutely no consideration that life happens. Don't know how, but life happens. In reality, bad things do happen to good people. Lepers were stigmatized purely because of their condition and their past. If you're one who can remember just because you grew up in the South or just because you came from the streets of an urban setting or just because you came from parents who, who may have suffered themselves from physical or mental or emotional abuse, that absolutely does, that, does not mean that that's going to be your outcome. In fact, the late Bishop Fulton Sheen said it this way, many of us, Crucify ourselves between two thieves: Regret for the past and fear of the future. It's unfortunate that we place ourselves on a cross every day and crucify ourselves because of our past journey and yet we have a fear of launching out into the deep. A fear of believing in the choice to believe. As a result, we constantly crucify ourselves. But the leper, third, that the leper, I'm convinced, finally one day decided that the day that he saw Jesus would be the day that he would stop crucifying himself. That's what I want to invite you to do this morning, to reread this text and place yourself in the context of it and consider how you must not lose your choice to believe that this very day could be the day of change, could be the day of revolution, could be the day of just totally revising your life. That's what the leper did. He decided that today would be the day that he was changing his life and he would stop crucifying himself and nothing is more difficult and therefore more precious than that ability to be able to decide. And that's the word. The power to decide what I'm going to do moving forward. You must never lose that choice to believe. Listen to the text. Verse 12, listen to the action of the leper. He never forgot what I believe to be uh, at least something of that nature in his mind, the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson. Listen, something swirled in his mind to suggest that the only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. Something triggered in his mind This is the day I'm going to be something different than what I am. I want to deliver the message to you no matter what it is, where you are, what condition your life is. This is the day that I want to challenge you to decide enough is enough. I've handled myself in this situation in a sense that I'm tired now of being abused. Or. I'm tired of abusing someone else. Today is the day to change your status, change your condition. Because you can only become what you decide to become. That's how you are where you are in many instances. Not all, but many. You've got to make that choice. And the leper, I believe, factored into his equation for change His choice to believe that Jesus had the answer that could transform him from being unfortunate, unceasing, having a condition in life that appears as if it will never change. He saw something in the person of Jesus. And notice the Bible says that in his posture of humility, he sees Jesus, and instead of doing as a leopard does, cries out, "Unclean, unclean!" He pronounces a powerful confession by faith. Lord, verse twelve, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me whole. Make. That's the word that Jesus stands the day waiting to share with you. He's just waiting for you to confess and cry out, I know you are, Lord, because God has the power to change when we make the choice to believe. The leper's life is unbecoming. The leper's life is unfortunate. But here's a critical note as well. The leper's life is underdeveloped. I think he recognized that his life was so undeveloped that he became aware that I'm not who I was intended to be. I have not yet reached my full potential. I've experienced some setbacks, and you put yourself in his shoes, I've experienced some setbacks, I've experienced some disappointments, I've experienced some discriminations, I've experienced some isolation, some segregation, some humiliation, but I notice in all of those experiences, God keeps providing moments of salvation. God keeps on, in the midst of all of that negativity, providing positivity, providing outcomes, That causes me to rejoice. He keeps on encouraging. He keeps on speaking. He keeps on providing. He keeps on nudging. He keeps on igniting. He keeps on supplying. He keeps on protecting. He keeps on instructing. He keeps on forgiving. He keeps on restoring. All the while telling me in my heart and in my mind. It does not yet appear what you shall be. Reminding me. And I'm a walking, undeveloped individual. I'm undeveloped, and yet I'm under construction. I'm on the potter's wheel. I'm being molded and shaped because I know I'm being developed for the kingdom of God. But as a leper, I've got to come to a point where I've got to make the choice to believe this is not my conclusion. There is something better And something greater, and this is what the story advances to us: that God is saying through the voice of Luke, "Don't lose your choice to believe, because something indeed better is about to happen." Leprosy is not the defining factor. You've got to believe. You've got to choose to believe. Lord, if you are willing. You can change my prediction. The Bible speaks again of that very revolutionary, that very radical, that that very relational act that Jesus does, says the text. He reached out. Verse 413, he reached out and touched the man. He touched him with the most life changing, empowering, assuring words that the man could ever hear, I am willing to be healed. Be healed. What's amazing about this is that the Greek tense in the parallel passage of Mark chapter one, verses 40, I believe through 44, indicate that the leper repeatedly, several times, Cried out with that confession. God, I know you, you're, if you're willing, I know you're able to heal. It wasn't a one time pronouncement, but it suggests in the Greek tense that he did this repeatedly. And in this repeated mode, he kept emphasizing, You can make me clean and whole. And that really was pointing. To a very pragmatic plea that he says, if it can be done, I choose to believe that you can do it. If you've done it for anybody else, I choose to believe that you can do it for me. That's where I want you to see yourself this morning. I want you to see yourself in a posture where I cannot believe that this is my final destiny. I cannot believe that this is the final intent for my journey. I must believe that something better is in store. And I go back to the point I made previously about how in his day leprosy was believed to be the result of sin. Sin, whether we're talking sin slash bondage slash addiction, it controls people's lives through two lies. First lie being, we are not sinners. Nothing is wrong. Oh, from Romans 3.23, that can't be true. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and there is none righteous, not even one. So we are all sinners, and there is something wrong with us. Second lie that we seem to embrace is that we are sinners, but we are so bad that we are beyond help. That's the case. Then there's something wrong with First John one and nine. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those are the two lies people often live. On. And here, Luke through this leopard is trying to tell us, oh no. If it is a sin, you can be changed. Your condition can be altered. Mark, in his gospel, says that when Jesus heard these pleading words from the man, he was moved with compassion. He reached out and touched the man. But why is this whole conversation about touch so critical? Why why is it that I'm attempting to convince you not to lose your choice to believe? Perhaps it has been Many years since the leper himself had been touched by a non-leprous hand. Perhaps he was a father who once had known the embrace of his children, touch. Or a husband who had once known the embrace of his wife, touch. Perhaps he had not known a simple touch for years And when people are lonely and when people are empty and when people are longing for a touch they will almost resort to anything to the extreme to some extent to get a touch. The story is told of a man who had no family that stayed in contact with him. He belonged to no church but every week he would purposely get his hair cut every single day just so he could go in and have someone who would touch him in a caring way. I'm trying to push the idea of how critical touch is and touch was in the ministry of Jesus in that Palestinian setting of the first century in the midst of persons whose disease, whose life was touchless, who had been isolated. I'm trying to get us to translate that into our current modern context with people who are, who are touchless because of whatever it is. Our pandemic has given us this kind of touchless attitude. We, we don't hug until we are sure that the other person is quote-unquote vaccinated as we are, then we can share. But just think about the millions of people who won't be touched in this pandemic. Won't feel the reality of the human touch. It's because it's kind of a leper. Something that distanced them from other people. Imagine this leper. People avoided him. Imagine how when people avoided him and yet when he comes to Jesus, this radical, relational, repetitive, redemptive God reaches out and touches the touchless individual. What is Jesus doing? He is touching to transmit wholeness into the life of the man the onlookers no doubt were shocked the disciples were shocked they all are shocked because Jesus is now considered unclean once again according to Leviticus 13 how is he going to continue his ministry while violating the law Now, some of us, might can't quite connect these dots, but you remember during the beginning, and even in the middle, we were at the heart of this thing last year, this pandemic. There were churches who refused to follow the CDC guidelines. They continued to touch and meet, and I might tell you, they also suffered the consequence of the virus. Their congregants died. There were some who were determined that they were not going to commit something Touching. In essence, they were, they were sort of trying to mimic something about Jesus. They weren't going to allow a law to give it them, them. I wouldn't advise you to take that risk as they did, but I would suggest it because we are such a blessed people, and we've got technology to help us keep in touch. We may not be able to make the touch, but to keep in touch. And if you're fully vaccinated, it's probably okay to touch someone else who is, but listen to what the text is suggesting. This man got something from Jesus that he hadn't perhaps seen and experienced in years. Touch. Somehow he believed that it was going to happen. Onlookers were shocked, as I said before, the disciples were shocked, and Jesus unclean. But I can hear words of the apostle paul as he later reminds us and when i look at this story in luke 5 jesus touching that man did something that i think we've got to see he conveyed his whole act of being the incarnate christ who would embrace a cross yeah that's right see He became the incarnate God who demonstrated compassionate love and was willing to declare himself ceremonially unclean in order that this leper could feel human slash divine compassion and Jesus wanted him to know that there is sympathy going out to him as well that's what he did for us at the cross at the cross he took allowed himself to become unclean he became listen to Paul's words he became in 2nd Corinthians 5 21 for the sake of God he who knew no sin became sin that we through the righteousness of God through the sin bearing load of Jesus Righteousness Jesus took it all. He became in that moment unclean with the sin of the world so that you and I could become clean by the righteousness of God. That's what he did for that now That was more important to Jesus than following the law. The touch, and I'm closing now, said, I'm with you. The touch said, I understand you. The touch said, you're the most important person to me. That deeper theological word. Said, Jesus touched this man. When Jesus took on Calvary. Look at that line. As Jesus says in verse 13, clause A. I'm willing to be healed instantly the leprosy disappeared. On Calvary, can't you hear Jesus in the garden? Lord, let this cup pass before me. Nevertheless, not my will, but that thine will be done, says Jesus, I'm willing to embrace Calvary. And when he takes that cross, what happens to us, the sin death penalty immediately disappears. For the wages of sin is death. When he embraces the cross. He creates the gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus took this unbecoming, unfortunate undeveloped man by way of a single touch and transform him all because the leper didn't lose his choice to believe remember his words if you are willing Lord you can heal me and make me clean that's the message I believe Jesus sends to you today if you can believe it, he's willing, he'll do it. He'll fix your situation. Leopard could leave quarantine and be free. All because he received the touch. Change his life away. Don't lose the choice to believe. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the opportunity in sharing the good news of Christ. We pray now in Jesus' name that someone today would receive your touch as you reach out to transform their life, bring them to a space of redemption, that their life would never be the same from this moment. We celebrate that someone today is going to engage in a new beginning, and we celebrate with you and with them that from this day forth, victory shall be save that soul that calls in your name I ask it in Jesus name Amen well it's our prayer that that happens for you and that all of you who hear the word of God make that confession in Christ and allow your life to become renewed by the spirit of God we certainly express our gratitude to each of you who consistently support us for this ministry we encourage you to continue to do so that it is our hearts desire to share in the good news Well, before we leave, by way of benediction, let me make this announcement to you. You will remember some weeks ago, I sent out a survey, and the survey was to hear your response in reference to the planned reopening that we had on September, or that we had planned to have on September the 19th, which would be next Sunday, third Sunday. And I wanted to get a feel for what you felt about that. And we send out some 266 surveys and we got back some 201 responses, which gives us somewhere between 76, 77% response, which was pretty good. And in our first question we asked, were you vaccinated? And 100% of the people said that they were. And our second question, we seem to simply ask uh, the question, uh, would you be willing to sign up for the uh, first and third Sunday worship service in person, and we had a response of some 51.6% of the people who said that they would, and 43.3% said that they would not. But then here was the big question. Uh, The third question was, would you prefer to attend online services until a later date, specifically when COVID-19 has denied significantly? And an overwhelming 77.11% said yes, they would prefer to remain online until something significantly changes in the COVID. And some 22.8% said they would be certain. And so that leads me to believe that we certainly uh, are clearly conveying that we do not wish to meet in person right now. Uh, until something happens in reference to COVID. And I respect that. And I'm going to say to you that we will not have in person service worship as we had planned to beginning on Third Sunday. Uh, we won't do that until something significantly changes in this COVID dilemma. But what we are hoping to do is to have live worship by way of presence of Pastor and the music ministry here on Sunday morning. We're working on that now. We're working to try to make that happen and to make sure it's possible. We're working out bugs. And what I want to do is tell you that somewhere in the course of next week, someday, I can give you an assurance as to which we are going to do. We are going to provide the recording as we have in the past, or we're going to do a live recording uh, coming next Sunday morning. But please wait to hear that. Uh, I'm working with the tech people to find out what that conclusion is going to be. And whatever it is, we're going to consistently convey the word of God as we always have. And we're going to try to make things as pleasant as possible. I want to push for this live recording simply because it enables you to be able to see us live as opposed to. So we solicit your prayers, solicit the prayers for those who are working on this with us, the tech people, please pray for them. Uh, this is a bit of a challenge, working out the technology and making sure everything works as sound as it possibly can, but we're going to believe that it's going to work together for the good. So as I always do tell you, remember, not only is this the day that the Lord has made, but remember God loves you, so do I. I close by saying, having a blessed, wonderful day in the Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank <music> you.